0: Welcome to the Haber Show podcast. This is a fluid situation in the NBA. Wednesday night, the league decided to suspend the season indefinitely following Utah Jazz Center Rudy Gobert's positive test of the coronavirus. So lots to unpack here. And for this episode, I bring you a conversation taped on Thursday morning, just hours after the news of the NBA shutting down. Tape the conversation with BR's senior NBA writer, Howard Beck. He is the host of the Full 48 podcast and has covered the league for decades. You should go read his column now on BleacherReport.com about how the NBA made the right decision to shut down the season. We're going to talk about the fallout of the coronavirus in the NBA, where the league goes from here. But like I said, this is a fluid situation. Seconds after we've finished this recording, ESPN reported that Donovan Mitchell has tested positive for the coronavirus, COVID-19. He is the second player in the NBA. Just hours after finding out about Rudy Gobert, his teammate, we now found out it has spread. Adrian Wojnarowski reporting that the Jazz players privately say that Gobert has been careless in the locker room, touching other players and their belongings. That This is scary, folks. This is the same player, Rudy Gobert, that on Monday was jokingly, this was videotaped jokingly grabbing reporters' mics at a press conference. I do not think this is the time to be playing around, and now we are seeing the ramifications of that behavior. Donovan Mitchell, Rudy Gobert, now two players, tested positive for the coronavirus in the NBA. The league has shut down to sort it all out. What we do know, what we don't know, this is our recording on Thursday morning at 10 a.m. Eastern time. So more to come. Without further ado, Howard Beck. Howard, where do we begin? <laughs> where do we, where begin? do we begin? Because oh. I got barely any sleep last night, and uh, my brain is mush. My brain is mush right now. So what? where do you want to begin with this?
1: Where do I want to begin? I mean, I guess we should begin with the most important thing, which is that the NBA made... Maybe a no-brainer of a decision, but the right decision. We, you know, people can debate whether like that was an easy call at the end. It's kind of like the Donald Sterling thing. By the time it happened, it was like, yeah, of course you do that. Well, that was harder than it looked. This was harder than it looked because if it were easy, they could have, you know, started doing some more bold or progressive or, or aggressive things before we got to Rudy Gobert has just tested positive for the coronavirus, and you know, the NBA was still dragging its feet on even playing without fans. Right, the Warriors were doing it because they had to because San Francisco was not allowing them to play with fans and meanwhile the Washington Wizards were saying no 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 we're still going to have fans in the arena so while teams you know are certainly at the, the team level there wasn't even agreement on the best way for the NBA to deal with coronavirus and the threat of further spread now they they this was forced on them like they really had no choice but but let's be clear you know however people want to interpret it there's always always a choice at the end. They could have still defied it all and decided to keep playing games. But
0: and they almost was... did. They almost did last night, like with yeah. the Pelicans-Kings they... game. Yeah. They almost did with the Pelicans-Kings game, which I was surprised. Um, I was surprised at that. I, I
1: thought, I don't know about you, the second I saw this whole thing unfolding in, in Oklahoma with Rudy Gobert, I thought, well, there's teams going on right now. Are they just going to clear the court? Are they just going to stop games? I turn on Nick's Hawks. I'm like, nope, that crappy ass game still going on. Um, <laughs> actually, that game turned out to be kind of fun. Actually. Yes, it did. Yeah. It <laughs> I did. take that back.
0: It, 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 it seemed but, like when Mark Cuban was on ESPN, like there was a very real sense that he might just like pull his guys off the court because it seemed that serious in the moment.
1: Yeah, it was. It, yes, this was like a shocking, bizarre thing where your, 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 your brain is racing. Certainly Cubans was, we saw the live footage of his brain racing. And so we're, so I thought, yes, I thought, I, thought, I thought everything else would be called off for the night. It wasn't immediately. But the obvious thing here for people to play out in your head is that if one player tests positive, positive in the NBA, I talked to people three days earlier where they said, here's what could happen and, and here's why we're, we don't want media in the locker rooms because if a player gets – it's not that a player is more important than the fans or anything else, but if a player gets the virus – now you have to quarantine that player. You have to quarantine his entire team. Then you look at who they just played and you go, well, we've got to quarantine them too. Then you look at who that team most played most recently. If there was somebody in between yep. and now you're, and so the, 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 the six degrees, it's like two degrees of separation. All of a sudden out, out of an abundance of caution, you're just quarantining the whole league and the season is suspended. And that's where we are today because Rudy Gobert tested positive. And, and so like this, this was the only sane thing to do.
0: Yes. And, um, you know, I, I think back to all of our arguments that we've had over the years that there are too many games in too, in too few days. And now I'm sitting here like, holy, this is, this is rearing its ugly head where in the past week, Rudy Gobert and the jazz have played at Madison square garden at Boston, at Detroit, at Utah against the Raptors. And they were supposed to last night play against OKC. So in a week's time they played or were supposed to play five games. Now, The Knicks, so last Wednesday, the Jazz played at Madison Square Garden. On Friday, the Knicks played two days later at MSG against the Thunder. Two days after that, they played at MSG against the Pistons. Two days after that, the Knicks played at Washington against the Wizards. And then last night, the Knicks played Atlanta. Boston last Friday played the Jazz. On Sunday, the Celtics played at Boston against the Thunder. On Tuesday, the Celtics played at Indiana against the Pacers. On Monday, the Jazz played in Utah against the Raptors. And for some reason, that's the end of that trail. But the, if you look at this cone, the, the cone yeah. of Rudy Gobert, that is nine teams impacted in a week. Okay. So that's not just, that's not even looking at Howard. The referees, remember last night before yeah. the Pelicans-Sacramento Kings game, reportedly the, the Pelicans were worried about Courtney Kirkland, who had recently refereed a Utah Jazz game. So then you start to think, oh my God, what about the referees? So then you look at the list of referees. There were four sets of referees that were refereeing, officiating Rudy Gobert games. And like I was just talking with a coach who didn't realize that one of the referees that was officiating his game on Monday was refereeing Rudy Gobert's game like the night before, two nights before. And so yeah. this this web of the NBA is such a defining trait of the league. And it prides itself. Hey, we got action every single night. Um, you know, on Tuesday night you can watch LeBron against or even last weekend LeBron against Milwaukee and then the day before that uh against the Clippers and it's like what a great league but that 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 amazing thing about the league is also I think what we're worrying about now is the downfall is that the cross-pollination nature of the league this is scary stuff yeah and and people
1: should understand too the way the referee crews work guys you know work multiple games in a week but you don't work with the same two other two refs so one night you're you're with these two people Uh, you know, two nights later, you're in a different city with two other people. So if you got exposed to Rudy Gobert and now you've exposed two more refs a couple nights later and two other refs a couple nights after that, and those refs are getting reshuffled. And, and yes, this, that's like, that's how this thing works anyway, right? The virus works anyway. But within the NBA, yeah, as you say, cross-pollination is a great way to put it. It's all these players and all these referees and all these team personnel all intersecting in a variety of ways. And, and very quickly you have, literally or figuratively touched everybody else in the league in a week's time. And so again, this was the only thing that the NBA could do. And I feel like, and we well, we can get to all this, but like where I was last night on this, as I sat down to try to write and try to like, what am I going to write? You know, I think it's just the unknown. Like, that's it. Like all we're left with now is the unknown a, a thousand questions that have no answers. And I'm waiting to see if, if the league, Um, after the board of governors meeting, that's going to be happening shortly after, you know, after we're recording, I'm waiting to see, is the league going to make Adam Silver available? Uh, If not in a press conference physically, then maybe a conference call because there are a lot more questions than answers. And maybe they don't have the answers, but I think we need to at least be able to ask the questions soon.
0: That's the rub, right? Is that there are, and there aren't enough tests. And that's why the league um, mandated for teams by Tuesday Uh, To have these protocols in place in case something escalated quickly, that they could have access to testing, um, testing facilities and essentially try to contain this thing as quickly as possible. But it's easier said than done. Um, And for a lot of people out there who are wondering, like, if I feel flu like symptoms, what do I do? Well, now You have to think about – you have to kind of retrace your steps. When I lose something and my mom's like, hey, what? retrace your steps. What did you do? All these players are going to be looking back and saying, oh, my, I played in this city and in that arena and this city. And that is a multiplier effect. And now when you're saying all all those players have to go get tested, well, is there a line for that, Howard? Like does an NBA player who played against Rudy Gobert, is that sufficient – Criteria to go get tested, or do you have to show flu-like flu-like symptoms in order to jump the line and get tested? Like, how does this stuff work?
1: I know, it, it, and that's the thing. When there is a limited amount of of, of these tests available, at least to, to, from what we understand, then it, it does create you know, there's a moral quandary here. You know, do you, you know, what's the bar? What is what is the the reasonable bar for getting tested? And I, I think the general rule of thumb for re- the rest of the country probably remains or should remain the rule for the NBA too, which is if you are symptomatic and it has the outline of potentially being the coronavirus, then you, obviously you should be eligible for a test. If you simply were exposed to somebody, I don't think you get You get tested. I Even if you're an NBA player, even if you're rich, um, I would hope that we are not cavalierly throwing around these tests, for people who uh, otherwise seem like they might be healthy or just have a, you know, may, may have some other illness, and you know, I think I think the the same medical protocols that are are applying to you and me and and you know anybody across the country should be applying to NBA players, but you know the, the league has access. The league is rich. The league has access to to a lot of things that you and I don't have.
0: Is there going to be a scenario, Howard, where like Adam Silver has asked the question, do we know 100% that everyone? in the NBA is outside of Rudy Gobert is negative for the coronavirus. Without testing everybody, we just don't know that, right? So as a matter of well, a matter yeah. of principle, but, we just don't know. And that that's why that we've we've had this um this this protocol
1: already emerging for everybody outside the MBA, for just cases in general of just these this kind of voluntary self quarantining, right? Where if somebody shows up in an office, you know, or somebody's you know working at you know uh, the Seven Eleven, and they come down with coronavirus, everybody who came into contact with them, uh, you go sit home for two weeks yeah. and make sure that 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 this thing is if it is in your system that. You know, if, if, you, if you if you contract it, you're not on the job. And if you don't contract it, well, no harm done, hopefully. Hope, and hopefully you're still getting paid sick leave or something, as if we have that enough of that in this country. But that's the idea. The self-quarantining, the voluntary self-quarantining, the kind of just, just disengaging, that's how you deal with it. You don't assume you have it. You just assume that you could be carrying it and that you don't want to infect others further because at some point that may be, you know, Uh, very deadly to somebody with a compromised system or who's older.
0: So this might be a crazy question, but curious, have you talked to Rudy Gobert recently face to face?
1: No, interestingly, uh, you know, so the, the jazz were in town to play the Knicks, but I was in Atlanta on assignment at that moment. And then the jazz were in Boston when you and I were at the Sloan conference and a lot of, people from Sloan, especially people who are in the media like you and I, wanted to go to that game. And I thought, ah, it's going to be crowded. I've also had a long day of, like, already schmoozing all day at Sloan. Like, I just want to chill. So went and had dinner with a friend and then uh, went back to the hotel, watched, you know, uh, I, I think I watched, I watched that. I watched Bucks-Lakers um, and on TV, and that was it. So I did not go. So I've been nowhere near Rudy Gobert or the Utah Jazz I assume I'm, I'm in the clear.
0: (laughs) So this is the layer that I want to talk to you about is I was nervous on Thursday. Um, I was packing for the Sloan conference, the MIT Sloan sports analytics conference in Boston. It's 14th annual. That was supposed to be, uh, March 6th and 7th of last week. Um, you and I were both speakers at this conference. We've probably gone between us a dozen times, and it's kind of become a tentpole tent pole in the NBA season. You go to All-Star, trade deadline, and then you go to Sloan and, and schmooze and mingle and network and, and talk with a bunch of executives and agents and players or whatever it is in media. But this particular Sloan conference was interesting because it fell just as universities and arenas um, and city officials were shutting down large gatherings. And on Thursday night... I was kind of having a little uh, panic because I saw that MIT had put out a notice announcing that 150-person gatherings are now going to be banned, that MIT is canceling any sort of events, classes that require a gathering of over 150 people. And I'm sitting here, Howard, I'm like, wait a minute, that's Sloan.
1: Yeah, except that the MIT-sponsored, conference is not actually on the MIT campus. It was at, so it's at a convention center, of course. So it it, it it eluded the uh the crackdown. But, you know, as you know, while we were there, South by Southwest gets canceled. And immediately everybody's thinking, Wow, if South by Southwest had gotten canceled three days sooner, or if Sloan were three days later, would Sloan have been canceled? Um and I think a lot of people felt that it would have.
0: Yeah. And then you you see on the news that there's a Biogen con- conference in Boston, like down the street um, that had an outbreak of coronavirus. And I'm sitting yeah. here like, yeah, this feels slimy. This I felt like the whole weekend I felt kind of dirty because I was like, I don't know if this is a smart idea, but um, I see a lot of smart people like Howard Beck here. So maybe this is OK.
1: <laughs> that's yeah, that's that is not the standard anybody should be using. I mean, I was thinking of it the other way, like. Well, Daryl Morey runs this thing, and he's incredibly smart and but there's everybody here like we're we're in there with these like incredibly uh learned, sophisticated people whose entire world is statistics and probabilities and <laughs> uh, and I'm like like wait if, I, I it was one of those things where either either we're safe here because if all these people who know the probabilities of, of contracting this are all here then they must have run the numbers in their heads and it's fine and it's safe and like they're they're smarter than i am so okay cool or this is the craziest most contradictory thing i've ever seen unfold like wait a minute you guys are the ones who could tell me just how quickly this could go from (laughs) like 10 people to a million why are we sitting here what are we doing um so i I had both of those moments or 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 all of those reactions the entire spectrum in my head. And I think um, greetings over the course of a couple days, I did fist bumps, I did elbow bumps, I did forearm bashes, Conseco Maguire style, uh, yes. like every possible combination. And then every so often somebody decided to put their hand out to, to shake it. And then you're in that moment of like, I don't want to be rude and I don't want to also like you're still kind of getting used to this new normal where to some people. Pulling away and not shaking a hand not only might seem uh, rude, but might seem like, oh, you're paranoid, you're yeah. overreacting. So I hope we're past that point. I think I think we're now to the point where everybody should hopefully have learned we're just not shaking hands anymore. Not for a while.
0: And the other thing here, Howard, is like you're you're it's almost like a reunion of sorts for people that you haven't seen in a long time that you really care about in the league yeah. or outside the league. So your natural yeah. inclination is like when I see Kevin Arnovitz, I'm like, Hey buddy, I haven't seen in a couple months, big hug, and then I'm like, wait a minute, wait, should we be doing this? Nah. Like I know Kevin's <laughs> probably not happy about this, so I'm gonna stand back. But I also don't want to be rude, but also <laughs> (laughs) Also, I want to show Kevin that I really miss him and, and all this stuff. Like I've had moments of, of shaking hands with people at the Sloan conference and just having this mini screaming fest in my head being like, wait, was that a bad idea? Where has this person been? And I, um, I think it's, I think it's look, maybe I'm being paranoid, but I'm looking at the attendees for this conference and I'm noticing that it's like a dozen NBA teams at least are there. Um, You have, from the top on down, between owners and executives. Uh, We have the MLS commissioner there. And I'm thinking to myself, this is probably not the the, the best timing. But maybe we were on the early end and that it wasn't spreading at that point. And Rudy Gobert, despite playing in Boston on Friday night, where a lot of media were in the Utah Jazz locker room talking to Rudy Gobert and then going back to the Sloan Conference the next day. Uh, Yeah. I mean, am I paranoid or am I just like reacting to no, the fact that that Rudy Gobert 5 days later tested positive coronavirus in ways that we could not have foreseen at that time.
1: what's Popovich's phrase appropriate fear? <laughs> yes.
0: Yeah, appropriate fear.
1: I mean, fear. I I think of appropriate paranoia right now or at least appropriate concern like yeah, it, I I I've been nowhere near Rudy Gobert, but yeah. Uh, a bunch of other people that I've come into contact with in the last week were close to Rudy Gobert at some point. So is that reason for me to be concerned? I I, I don't know. I've been washing my hands like crazy. I bathe in Purell as a matter of habit anyway, but, and I feel fine, you yeah. know, more or less for yeah. a middle-aged white dude. Like, you know, um, I, I, I I don't know. And, and listen, I, I live in New York, of course, and we have a lot of people packed into very small areas and I've been on the subway several times. I flew to Atlanta and back last week. I flew to Boston and back last week. I've tried to, to take all possible precautions, as we all are. But you just you just don't know. Uh, you know, I've got a 14 year old uh, in school, and you know, she could be getting exposed on a daily basis. But her school's still going so far; nothing's come up there. I think we're all just thinking about all of this all the time, and just kind of hoping, right? We're doing what we can and taking the right precautions. But I I don't know what the proper level of paranoia is. I don't want to be one of those people who's just going to say, "Let's go clear out the shelves at you know the bodega and then sit in our apartment and wait it out." Like that that sounds
0: insane. <laughs> there, uh, a text just came in from a coach, an NBA coach. It's all around us. It's crazy. Got to self quarantine. Seems like the only thing to do right now. Worried about our families. That's an NBA coach. Yeah. Like self quarantine. Um, and who knows? Maybe that coach was with a referee who was around Rudy Gobert in the past week. I don't know. But that's the those are the tough questions that the, the league had to ask yes. them of themselves is what what who is the first mover on this? Who is going to show us the way there is no person who is going to show Adam Silver and the 30 owners that he works for the way There. To create consensus in this situation was a very tall task because not only are there business opportunity, business interests involved but there're also political interests involved very differing political stances what they uh, who they 're getting advice from um, the, the cities themselves the outbreaks in the city the, of of themselves and there was a report that the New York knicks Okay. according to ESPN's Adrian Wojnarowski, the New York Knicks were holding out the lone <clears throat> franchise to say, hey, let's keep the status quo. Yeah.
1: I uh, Somehow that was not surprising, given that the Knicks are, as the uh, late David Stern once said accurately, the Knicks are not a model of intelligent management. That was a very specific situation, but it seems to apply to many, many things involving the Knicks. Yes. That part was disturbing. But listen, the Wizards defying local edicts in, in Washington, D.C. was disturbing, too. When the local government is saying, and based on their medical information and their expertise uh, that, that, that they're uh, being advised by, when they say, we should not have large public gatherings, and the Wizards say, nah, we're good, we're still going to have fans come. I mean, that, that, that was a troubling moment yesterday, and it's going to get overshadowed or forgotten in, in the, you know, the, the blur of everything that happened after it, and it's a moot point now. But at the time, 24 hours ago, when we were looking to the NBA for uh, leadership, for, for just wise decision-making, you've got the Knicks standing in the way of, of a league-wide approach that could, to, that could protect more people, and you've got the Wizards defying a local ban on large gatherings. Um, that, it's not that's not an not easy good. job.
0: Adam does not have an easy job here trying to rally the owners to come to a consensus on what to do here, right? Because it seems like they were splintering. I mean, Golden State decided to shut uh, fans out and then not every team was doing that for sure. And so they had differing uh, feelings on this issue. And I think... Clearly. I think... um, So I I had heard from a governor uh, that playing the rest of the season in empty arenas was a nuclear option. Wednesday afternoon, yesterday afternoon, that was considered by a long-time executive as the nuclear option. Like, yeah. we're past that now. We're shutting down uh, yeah. the league. And what was thought to be a nuclear option is no, is no seems like a very soft option. So what do you think happens here? Obviously, there's a lot of uncertainty. Uh, there's probably going to be a mandated quarantine by the league for at least two weeks just because of Rudy yeah. Gobert. But we're probably going to find I, – I would see – it seems likely that we are going to find out that possibly more NBA players, or coaches, or personnel in the league have contracted the virus. Does the does the timetable go two weeks after the latest um, two weeks after the latest like positive test? Like how does how do you think this is going to play out?
1: We're all guessing, and we want to be clear about that. And nobody knows for sure. I'm not sure that the league could even tell us, even if they were being completely, you know, straightforward with what, with what their thinking is. I don't know that there that there is a plan yet. I texted a few people last night around the league just to see what people's sense of it was. You know, what's your best guess? And the best guess was the regular season is over. That two weeks is not going to be enough time to or a sufficient amount of time to then de- to be able to make an assumption let, let's put a, a, a pin on that i'm going to come back to that but that two weeks won't be enough time to to say that, that the crisis is over so the regular season ends in about four weeks anyway or would have so let's just play this out you you shut down for three to four weeks here you wipe out the rest of the regular season the standings are frozen in place as they were yesterday you start up the playoffs based on where things were at, at that moment and And that's it. You know, it's like, it will be imperfect. Teams will not have played the same number of games. Some teams will be pissed off that they're that close to a playoff berth and didn't get it or that their lottery position was affected or whatever else. But, you know, these are extreme times and this isn't a time to quibble over stuff like that. The cleanest thing to do in in a lot of ways is simply to say the regular season is over. And if it's safe and advisable to start up again with the playoffs in mid-April as normally scheduled, then you do that. So that's one possibility. Another possibility that people floated is that you, whenever they resume two weeks from now, three weeks from now, four weeks from now, they somehow reschedule all these games and they just keep pushing everything back. And we're playing the finals in like late July or August. I don't, I mean, if that's the case, then NBA players aren't going to Tokyo. I'm not sure if anybody's going to Tokyo though. <laughs> um, and the the idea of pushing this all into the summer Seems very strange to me. I, to me, it seems like the cleanest thing is wipe out the rest of the regular season slate, use the standings as they exist right now, start the playoffs as you normally would in mid-April. But easy for me to say. I'm not the one sacrificing all those you know tens of millions of dollars of all the games that I, that I have just theoretically wiped out. But you know that's so that's 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 the big thing. So the the pin I put on the idea of the, whether it's two weeks or four weeks. Yeah. All right. A two week quarantine, Tom. All right. So at two weeks from now, Rudy Gobert's healthy. Let's just say um, anybody else who came down with it in the meantime is okay. All the people who self-quarantined to realize, Nope, Nope, we weren't infected. We're fine anyway. But two weeks from now, the rest of the country at large, th- the numbers are going to probably keep going up. Like it's got, everybody's saying it's going to get worse before it gets better. The NBA is not operating in a vacuum here. It's not just a matter of like cleansing NBA arenas and NBA personnel it's a matter of what you're starting up, restarting the league in, to, to do. Well, is it to bring fans back in? Are you going to start up in two weeks and then do it in empty arenas? And what are the possibilities that somebody gets reinfected or, you know, either reinfected or wasn't infected the first time, gets infected, and now you have to start, you have to shut down again? I mean, yep. you, can't,
0: <laughs> it's... You, you can't guarantee anything. On Friday afternoon, and I wrote about this. In my story today, Tillman Fertitta went on CNBC. And that's the owner of the Houston Rockets who bought the team in 2017 uh, for $2.2 billion. He owns uh, Landry's, which is this huge restaurant empire. He owns casinos all around the world. And what he told this he told this story after downplaying the severity, the, the seriousness of the coronavirus and saying everything's going to be fine. You're not going to die. from. Literally, this quote was... You're not going to die from this on the record on CNBC, national TV cable news network. And then he says, the host asks him, Hey, how are your restaurants affected in China? The restaurants you have in China. And he goes, I'm going to tell you a funny story. Um, it's really funny. It's so funny. Uh, actually, it's not funny. It, there's a Morton Steakhouse that we reopened in Beijing a, a couple of days ago. And for the first time in 30 to 40 years, Tillman says, for the first time in 30 to 40 years, we opened a restaurant and the entire sales for that day was zero. Wow. This is what you're we talking about, right, Howard? Is like, even if you reopen the NBA, will people go? What will people do when they say, all right, well, I, I don't know if the person next to me in this arena is going to be uh, affected, uh, in, infected. So... I, I had heard from arenas around the league last night that even that was uh, – people were showing up. There were fewer people showing up. One one person said it was 60% capacity compared to normal. So take this one week down the line, two weeks down the line. The Beijing story that that Tillman Fertitta, the owner of the Houston Rockets, was laughing about on air – that's what we're facing here is that in a month's time, will anyone feel safe about going to NBA games? And then that nuclear option of playing in empty arenas, that becomes a lot more real. Because if you can't draw uh, people to the games, do you want to put in money to, for concessions, uh, to the broadcast, to all the people, to all the systems that you have to put in place to house people? Or do you just say that's a risk? That's a cost. That's a fixed cost that we're not going to go. We don't want to pay. We're just going to do empty arenas because I'm not so sure people are going to want to go to games if this is how it's going to be for the next you know couple weeks.
1: Yeah, I mean, I, I think the the more this thing spreads, then, and the, the more concerned people get, in, even to the point of of you know being extremely worried or paranoid, whatever is like you know, we'll see the full spectrum of, of responses by the public whether people don't want to go out to restaurants anymore, whether they are you know want to kill, pull their kids from school or whether the schools are shut down. Everybody's going to probably – not everybody. A lot of people are going to want to pull back, and they're not necessarily going to want to be in big public spaces. And so, yeah, is it even realistic, even if the NBA wanted to reopen, even if it wanted to reopen to fans, does anybody want to go to these games? Do they want to be in crowded concourses and in crowded arenas when – when we start seeing these numbers really climb in this country, and there's still a, very much an expectation that these numbers are going to spiral. And to, because that's been the experience in other countries, and we are behind the curve in terms of infection, and we are certainly way behind the curve in terms of uh, dealing with it and testing for it and taking preventive measures. And so, yeah, I, I just, for all of these reasons, Tom, I, I just think there is no logical rationale as we sit here today and things are going to change as we sit here today, there's no logical rationale to believe that the NBA can or should restart anytime any time in the next couple of weeks. I, I think we are a month away at least. And then it's the question will be, are we a month away from a rescheduled regular season where they're going to keep playing and do 82 and push into the summer? Or is it the other scenario I outlined where it's just wipe out what was left of the schedule, start the playoffs and, I know, think that's me, it. Like that's, I think
0: that's it. Yeah, I think that's the most it's, likely scenario, like you said. Yeah, if there yeah. is yeah. going to be a season, like, I think it's going to be wipe out the rest of the regular season. I'm sitting here like, what if we just fast tracked that play in tournament for the the last spot and or the last two <laughs> spots? So you got yeah. So like in the like, I, people want to see Zion Williamson in the playoffs, right? People want to see that. But right now, the Pelicans are tenth. They're not even ninth. They're tenth in the standings behind mm-hmm. Portland, and then Memphis is in, is in the in the playoffs. So you can't justify doing a play in with just Zion Williamson against John Morant, right? Like, have if you are going to, sure, do- <laughs> sure why, yeah. <laughs> yeah, do we really want to see like the the Blazers limp into the playoffs at this point? I, I don't want, I don't want that. I just feel like it's it's yeah. more injuries are going to happen if that's the case. So like, I, I'm sitting here like wondering um, if they do. Let's play this out. If they do a regular season. Uh, just wipe off the rest of the regular season. And we go with the standings as it currently stands right now. That would mean that Brooklyn's the 7, Orlando's the 8, uh, Washington Wizards do not make the playoffs, the Portland Trailblazers don't make the playoffs, the Pelicans don't make the playoffs, um, and then we have Memphis in there. I think they're going to try to protect the playoff revenues. Um, I think they're going to prioritize that, obviously. Of course, you know the Pelicans are not going to be happy with that, but I just think at this point... This is this is uncharted territory. This is the this is the extreme measures call for extreme action. So I think uh, I'm I'm willing to bet that I, I'd be surprised. I'll put it that way. I'd be surprised if the rest of the regular season plays out. I'd be surprised if they just yes. postpone the season and play 82 games and then play the playoffs in full through August. Apparently, on Get Up this morning saying mark cuban said that there is a possibility it goes into august uh and yeah. that i think is i mean that is pretty drastic because that's july That it, it the, normally the season ends in mid mid-june that goes into july and august i'm surprised that he floated that
1: right like that's something that the rest of us might talk about the fact that a, a team owner actually talked about yeah we'll just play in august i'm a little surprised only because it feels really extreme on the other hand from a financial standpoint, it feels really logical. It's the way of preserving all of your revenue. And, you know, you want to say it preserves the integrity of, of, of a normal season two and whatever, that's fine. But really it's about, let's get all of our 82 games in our full slate of playoffs and everything else. But I don't know, Tom, that that one still feels like a really strange and extreme because it does, it has all kinds of cascading effects. It wipes out, you know, it, it pushes back free agency. It pushes back the draft. It, it it pushes back or eliminates summer league, it it wipes out any ability of the U.S. to play in the Olympics, um, at least with the the NBA players. So I don't know that that one feels like too too uh, too too complicated.
0: There's a lot of uncertainty out there, Howard, and uh, we're probably not going to learn much until the Adam Silver press conference or some sort of resolution comes out of this meeting uh, with the board of governors later today on Thursday. But I, I, I don't know where we go from here. Uh, and are there any last thoughts that you, that you want to get off your chest before we go forward with, uh, with this, this kind of zone of uncertainty that we're in?
1: I would just say that to me, I'm glad that there is at least clarity. I, I you know, it's not that it, the clarity was forced, forced on the NBA instead of them choosing it. But I'm glad that there's a clear, bright line right now, and that is that under the current circumstances, with this outbreak, we are all the entire world in uncharted waters here, and i'm I'm somewhat glad as much as we will all miss the n b a and as extreme as this is and as and as tough as it is to watch all this happen, and there are ramifications for you know people who work in arenas and on game nights and everything else, and like there's a lot of different layers to this, but i, I broadly speaking. I think I'm a little bit relieved that there is at least clarity and that the NBA will not be conducting business in a way that may endanger more people. And I feel like that's probably for all, all the other awful ramifications, it's probably the best outcome for the time being. And you know what? We, you know, we'll, we'll get over missing basketball. We'll be fine. <laughs> There's plenty of Netflix to binge for, for all of us. Um, we're in, we're in very strange uh, times to say the least, I'm fascinated to see where this goes next, and I think my, my final thought is just simply, I, you know, I hope everybody's safe and washing their hands a lot, and, and you know that this thing, um, that you know that it all subsides sooner than later. You know, uh, it's 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 all very unnerving. It's time, and, it's uh, time to binge
0: watch, binge watch <laughs> some TV shows. Yes,
1: binge watch and binge Purell. There's there's a motto for the next few weeks.
0: Yes. Well, Howard, uh, thanks so much for for joining me, and uh, stay safe out there, everybody. We'll be talking soon. Thanks, Tom. Law & Order SVU is now TV's longest-running primetime drama. And this season, we're going even deeper with the Law & Order SVU podcast. Listen and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. All right, that'll do it for this week's episode of the Haber Show podcast. Uh, I want to thank Howard Beck for joining me on such short notice and such short sleep. This is, again, a very fluid situation. So stay tuned for more on the Haber Show regarding the NBA's coronavirus crisis. If you haven't listened to Sue Bird, the most recent podcast episode talking about the coronavirus and her use of CBD, go check that out uh, in the queue and go subscribe, rate, and review. Until next time on the Haber Show.